It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to the Jason in the House podcast. I'm Jason Chavitz. Thank you so much for joining us, giving us a little bit of your time. I hope you have fun and enjoy this. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the news because there's a few things happening. We're going to talk about the stupid because there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And then uh, we're going to get together actually with uh, Charles Payne. Uh, Charles, such a good guy. You know him from making money on Fox Business. You've seen him on uh, Fox News talking about all things financial. And I previously did a podcast with Charles Payne. We learned more about his life and growing up, an amazing personal journey and, and story. Um, but now he's got, a, he's got a new book out. It's called The Unbreakable Investor. Unbreakable Investor. And you can go to unbreakableinvestor.com uh, or just listen to the podcast. You're going to get a good sense of this. And uh, But for those of you that like to invest or want to start to invest, um, he's got some really good insight and been wildly successful in helping lots of clients and himself and everything else too. So, And you know what? He's just an all-around good guy. There's always something to learn and have... To, to learn from Charles, but you can also have a lot of fun with Charles. So we're going to get together with Charles Payne here in just a few minutes. But I did want to touch on it, just a a couple things in the news. And, and um, you know, we were all saddened by the passing of Matthew Perry. And not to belabor that too much. Um, he was a man who had a lot of challenges. Um, wild success. He was a great tennis player. Went on. You know, got this incredible uh, spot on uh, on Friends, one of the most popular uh, sitcoms, comedies on the, in the history of television, really. Um, and uh, those friends getting together on that show uh, really helped shape America. And it was the show everybody was watching all the time. I think there were like 52 million people watched the concluding episode. So... Um, and it's still on. Like you turn the channel at late at night, and it's it's still on, and probably will be for throughout my lifetime. But Matthew Perry was going through a thing, some things that I think a lot of other people were going through. And you know, we all have challenges in life. They can be financial. They can be an accident. They can be a health issue that suddenly pops up out of nowhere. Um, and there are a lot of addictions out there. And people who get themselves in a bad spot. I guess he had had some sort of injury back in uh, like 1997 or so. I don't know the full story. I know he's written a book about this. But here's the here's the here's the point I want to talk about. Um, one is there is a way to get help and get better. Um, and don't think that you're alone out there. But I the the newsy part to me is I just saw that the Boston mayor. Um, her name is Michelle Wu. She might have finally turned the corner because a lot of these cities, mostly run by Democrats, um, I think if we were being fair and objective, I don't think that's being too sensationalist, have been very tolerant of the kinds of drug addiction, homeless tied issues. They've allowed them to fester and made it easier for people to continue on with this lifestyle. And 
you know, I think what's interesting is to watch what happens in Boston because it seems like they finally got fed up with it. They have what's called the methadone mile where supposedly, and we'll see how it plays out, the mayor is actually going to push back a little bit and she is going to um, allow law enforcement to help clear out these encampments and be able to say, no, you know, you really can't just continue to live here in a tent on the sidewalk in front of this business in perpetuity. Now, we'll see how it goes, um, but I think it does also highlight this issue that so much of our crime is tied to drugs. It's tied to tied to drug addictions, tried people trying to feed their drug addictions. We haven't necessarily cracked the code on this. You know, I get frustrated about the open borders, the readily available supply of illicit drugs that comes across our border, some of it deadly, the fentanyl, but everything you can think of in terms of drugs and cocaine and and fentanyl and all that free flowing across our border that fills the supply i think you have to tackle the supply but we as a country i also think we have to tackle the demand there's alcohol abuse and alcohol addiction there is drug addiction which is like a whole nother level of addiction i don't think making everything more readily available is necessarily the solution now, there can be a viable debate, and there should be, about medical marijuana, these types of issues, people that are dealing with the cancer and drug treatments or, you know, have a debilitating disease that, that some, there are other ways to, to deal with it. I know that the psychedelic drugs have a connotation of the 60s, which is, you know, um, if you get past the surface of it, there are people that are dealing with PTSD and in a very controlled situation, not something you use every day, but in a very controlled situation that that might be helpful. I think that's worth exploring. But um, I think we as a country still need to spend a lot of time thinking, working, um, and addressing the addiction issues that are in this country. But what I've seen with, uh, with in Portland and in Boston and a lot of these major cities, New York City, it's disgusting. And it's not helpful. It's making the country worse, not better. And it's not just freedom. It is, it is absolutely uh, devastating to a population, and we have got to address it. That's kind of my soapbox for today. But, you know, it's highlighted by the, the passing of Matthew Perry, who was a great comedian by by all accounts and sad that he lost his life so early and that he really fought this. And I did think it was interesting that he had an interview recently where he said, I want to be known more for helping people overcome and deal with their addictions than I do wanting to be a famous actor. And that's a tall order because he was a very famous actor and a great comedian. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention, with all the weightiness out there, you know, we record these podcasts days before they actually get published. I don't know what the conclusion of this is going to be, but I think the World Series will still be going on, or maybe it just concluded. But uh, by the time you get to, to listen to this. But, you know, I think it's important in our country to take time to just step back a little bit, 
do something that has nothing to do with politics. You know, I love politics, make a living talking about politics, engage in politics, writing books. You know, I had the book, The Puppeteers out. I got this podcast. I, I go on Fox. I go speak in person. I do all these things. But, you know, it's also important with all the weightiness and all the heaviness that is politics and all the contention that comes with it. It's good sometimes to just step away and do something else. World Series for me, I really like it. I really enjoy it. I don't watch baseball week in and week out. I don't sit there on a, you know, on a couch on a Saturday or, or go out to a game every weekend. But I do like baseball in person. But the World Series on television is really fun. And, uh, you know, Diamondbacks, Texas Rangers, two great teams, all the drama of it. I like wildlife photography. I like golf. I like doing all kinds of different things. My wife and I like to go on. We walk quite a bit. And it's just a good way to get out, breathe fresh air, and recharge your batteries. I have a Polaris. I have a side-by-side, my wife and I. Six-seater. It's a big one. So it's a Polaris Ranger 1000. Oh, I love this thing. Get the family on it. Get some friends. Go up in the mountains. Just tool around town. Clear your head. And I guess that's the message today is clear your head every once in a while because you know what? Life's... Uh, life's got a lot of challenges, but it's also got a lot of good things. So do those good things. I think that's a good message. All right. Now it's time to bring on the stupid because, you know, there's a whole nother level where there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. Somehow, someway, New Jersey makes this list more and more time and time again. I hope you saw this story because not only do you have Senator Menendez who's fighting these bribery charges and all kinds of other charges, uh, and we won't get into that. But now you have the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy. This is the headline from Fox News. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy used thousands in taxpayer funds to party at Taylor Swift concert stadium events, according to a report. This is absurd. These people in public office, in this case, the governor of New Jersey, how he thinks, he's, he says he's going to ask this Democratic Party to reimburse taxpayers after he used $12,000 in state funds at a Taylor Swift concert and other stadium events. Governor, what are you doing? First of all, the idea that you've got some slush fund with the party to just take care of your partying at, at these fun events is ridiculous. But the idea that you tried, if somebody didn't didn't actually, you know, uh, call you out on it. You try to use $12,000 in taxpayer money at the Taylor Swift concert and other events. Come on. I mean, Governor Christie got in trouble for this uh, and had to reimburse $82,000 spent at MetLife Stadium. But here's here's the list, according to Fox News. Public records show Murphy's office spent $936 on food and drinks at Taylor Swift in 2018, $2,095 at the USA versus Brazil soccer game, $2,068 at a Jets-Patriots game, $1,400 roughly at the Hot 97's Summer Jam, another $2,856 at the U.S. versus Mexico game, and Jets versus Cowboys, nearly $2,500. Uh, Governor, guess what? Uh, you can use your own personal funds. Now, if you raise money in a campaign, you're having a campaign event, doing something like that. But do it by the book. 
Don't tell me you don't know this. And if you're the governor of New Jersey and you don't understand that you can't get the taxpayers to pay for this, well, that's just downright stupid. So that's bringing on the stupid. All right, time to move on. Real excited to have Charles. Charles is going to walk in here in a moment, and we're going to have this nice discussion. We're going to talk about his book, Unbreakable Investor. You go to unbreakableinvestor.com. You can learn more about it. He's got another good book that's already out, Unstoppable Prosperity. That was a good book. Uh, but look forward to chatting with Charles here in just a moment. So we're thrilled to have Charles Payne in the house. I'm Jason in the house. <laughs> but we got Charles Payne in the house. You, you, got another, you got a great book out. I haven't read it, but I flipped through it. And I'm always worried that I'm not doing the best, right, smartest stuff with my money. Right. And and so I'm fascinated to kind of pick your brain. But before we get to the book and and dive in deep into that, you're always so happy. Why are you so happy all the time? You know what? I don't know. I, I, I am a rose-colored glasses kind of guy, um, you know, but I mean, I have a tremendous amount of anxieties, a tremendous amount of frustrations, a tremendous amount of... Uh, whatever, you know, but overall, I think I've always felt pretty confident that things are going to be okay. Not necessarily that they're ordained to be okay. You know, I think right, you have to right. put a lot of effort into it, but, um, you know, it, it's just the, the journey of life, uh, has been, it's been hard, but it's been rewarding. So I just, I just feel pretty good about it. And it's, it's sort of like when people do my show. They say you're the only guy like I, I. I play music before my show. Oh yeah, you yeah, do. So, good music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, now, so there's people... music, and I've been in a lot of shows. Some of them, it's not so yeah. good. You're, you're yeah, music and I mean, is I'm really pumping good. up in the studio. You know, we're getting everyone yeah. going, and I, you know, I just so I just I just try to keep a positive attitude because it's so important. It really is. Um, you know, things are thrown at us. I think in life in general, but even maybe more so these days, and only because of the outside influences that. Seem that if they don't directly hit you, they're going to hit someone in your family. Then they're going to ask you about it. You know, someone's going to be on social media. Someone's going to be there. We live in a very unfortunately world that's becoming more complex in some ways. Yeah, and unnecessarily, uh, you know, tying itself up in knots. And so I try to stay above that particular fray. So you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on. You got your own TV show, and then you decide, okay, unbreakable investor. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna write another book. Like, how do you? It is a lot. I also have my own business, which I've had for over thirty years. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the things that one of the things that uh, it's my mission, Jason, in life is to to help people help themselves. I really do believe we're blessed to be born in the greatest country in the world. And what's really amazing about it is a, a, a significant chunk of people born in this country don't know that. Yeah. They really don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at statistics like people from foreign countries, how many businesses they've started in this country. Right. Uh, you know, just people who know how great we have it when they get here, they embrace it. Right. People born in the midst of it have been told, ah, it's not much. <laughs> and they yeah. don't realize. Yeah. And, and so, and that includes investing. It's it's democratized. Anyone can do it. Uh, you know, listen, obviously efforts have been have been in place for uh, hundreds of years, a couple of hundred years to, to sort of dissuade us from doing it ourselves. Although we're always encouraged to put our money into something, but let the experts handle it. 
And, you know, it's always interesting because the experts always seem to get a bigger house every other year while you're still sitting in the same house that you bought. You know, like, what the heck is going on? Right, right. I'm digging the experts, but golly, you know, what um, can we get some of that action? And, and, and one thing I've seen is over the last 25 years, but even more so recently, right on the, at the onset of the pandemic, is a, a greater determination by people to have a better, better sense of knowledge of everything. Right. And and a better grasp uh, of their own future. Like they I think something happened when they the government locked us down, when the government told us what we couldn't do. We couldn't go to work. We couldn't do this. And if you look at business startups now, it started right before the pandemic. We started to see a spike in in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, We ran out of preservative jars like people wanted to learn how to preserve their own food. Arts and crafts went through the roof. People started saying, you know what, I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to buy a house. Because we were being told, and the hip thing was, remember the sharing economy? Right. So there'd be one house on the block, and everyone would have an app and see when they can use it. That kind of thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we were being pushed away from having any assets. We were being dissuaded from having any assets. You remember a long time ago when President Bush talked about the ownership society. Well, that, that the establishment went nuts. They went nuts over that. They didn't, you know, the, the idea of people having control of their own future, particularly financial future, right. that's dangerous for the establishment. So, but they, they lost control. They lost control on people. And that's something that's still flowing through through this nation, uh, this, this sort of need to have a greater control of your life, uh, that someone can't flip a switch and, and dictate you know, how the outcome of your life. And people kind of had an epiphany that this is what's been happening for a while. And that includes the stock market. Unfortunately, what's happened is we had a big run. Then it's been followed by a, a, pull, a pullback. And it's been choppy this year. But invariably, a lot of people who got in felt good, felt easy, didn't have to know much, made money initially, lost it. I've seen it all. I've been helping individual investors since 19... I started on Wall Street in 1986, and but that was on the analytical side as a broker a year later. So I've been watching this for a long time. Right. I was around for Black Monday when the market lost tw- over 20% of its value in one day. I just I was in the business a year. I just built my book. It was my dream and all of a sudden I thought it was all over. I really did. I said, "Gosh, I you know, this is what I wanted to pull myself out of right. poverty, to yeah. take care of my family and it's all over. Down 22% in one day. We can never recover." And of course we did. And so that was my first hard lesson. I'm glad it happened early, even though it was scary at the time. I mean, are we going to have another Black Monday? There'll be another Black Monday. I don't know when. Uh, they're they're going to come periodically. This is that's why I wrote the book, Unbreakable Investor, because there will be what does times. That mean? When you, when you, I've got a vision of what that means, but what does that mean to you? Unbreakable. It, it means that we can be hurt, we can bend, we can have nicks, we can we can take losses, but we don't want to break. We don't want right. to give up. We don't want to shrug our shoulders and either slump away from the market completely or give it to someone else that promises us very paltry, low returns. And, and by the way, that's a huge thing, this so-called passive investing. Right. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's a juggernaut. Uh, and and it's, it, it sort of goes against who we are, right? I mean, we just, okay, I worked so hard for this money. I got a chunk of it, and I just hand it to someone. And I got to tell you, the, the brokers themselves know a lot less than they did in the past. Their job is one thing, A-U-M. Assets under management. Right, right. Their job is to get you to write a check, and they give it to someone else. They don't even know what's going on with the money. Hmm. And someone else at the firm will do something, or they'll put it in something. And it's just, it's just so nuts to me. 
So, you know, we always kind of get taught the principle of, okay, you got to be diversified. What does that mean to you? Like when you say diversified, is that a combination of real estate and what does it mean? Well, there's a a big diversification, which could be asset classes. And I do think you should have different asset classes. Um, Certainly things like hard assets. Real estate is phenomenal. You got to have some real estate. I don't mean you have to go through. But it's hard for a young person who's just starting to, you know. I mean, the, the price of housing right now, the the mortgage rates, it's crazy. For a it's young tough. person who's doing pretty well right yeah. out of college, maybe, it's still really tough to get yeah. into their first home. It is. It is. It was It was a lot tougher in 1980, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People were paying 18% mortgages, right? So um, it, it's, uh, this, is a, this is a lifetime journey. This is, this is a lifetime endeavor. So... We're not necessarily saying, you know, you're going to do all of this in one day, but you you need to spend every single day. You should try to learn something new every day, no matter what. And, and I'm not talking stock market, but just in general, as you build toward your ultimate goal. Now, your, your 401k has changed through the years, right? I mean, you're are you a huge fan of the 401k? I'm not. I'm not. I, uh, I read that. And so yeah. explain that to me. I, first, I just feel like you just use the word diversification. I right. think I think most of these 401k plans have very limited options. For, for the people who use them. Uh, and, you know, maybe some of that, these firms want limited legal li- uh, liability or whatever. And so, you know, you'll, they'll give you a smattering of, of funds. And yeah, they, aren't they just buying mutual funds? I mean, right, right. And these, and these funds all have these names. Like the New Horizon Fund and the, right. the you know, the Frontier Fund. and They the, got to have an employee and, and who just sits around naming. Right, right. <laughs> but then if you ever look at what they own, I, I, I used to do portfolio reviews until it got too much, like with new subscribers to my service. And I look at their their funds, whatever, whatever they had. And just if you look at 10 mutual funds in, in an average portfolio in the top 10 holdings, so of a potential 50 stocks, invariably it would always come down to like 14 stocks, hmm. 15 stocks. They had the same stocks, just a different name. Remember again, though, what the game is, AUM. Right. So if you put a big chunk into First Horizon, how do I get more money from you? Try the new moon one, you know. <laughs> so, so listen, it's it's and 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 I think people are starting to see that too. You know, some of the promises that were made 25 years ago just aren't coming to fruition. If you look at how the number of millionaires, you know, um, 401k millionaires, it's it's in the hundreds of thousands. It should be in the hundreds, tens of millions by now. And part of it is low expectations. And I always tell people, if you pay attention at, uh, to the stock market during earnings season, and when banks report their earnings, invariably those stocks are going to go up and down based on one critical component, how much money they made trading the stock market. Right. Now, they'll tell you to settle for 7% and be happy. Oh, my goodness. If, if they ever made just 7%, the stock's going to crash. Right? They're yeah. making 10 20 30 40%. So they're making this kind of money for themselves, but they're asking you, "Hey, don't be, don't worry about it. Just put it in. Get just solid eight percent a year." And, and then you know you'll get these things. Well, history proves that individuals lose money when they try to do it themselves, and right. it's, it's true with an asterisk. If you go on this and you buy one stock, give it a give it a shot. And it hurts something at the water cooler, buy some, right. and it goes down, and you sell it, and yeah, you're that part of that statistic. But if you build and manage your own portfolio, you, you're committed to learning, uh, you should not be part of that statistic. Yeah. And, and so it's really, that's what it boils down to is that people. So what and, are you looking for? I mean. Yeah, here's what you're looking for. 
You want to own great companies. Just think about it as you forget about the stock market. The stock market is like the mall. When you go to the mall, you don't go to every single store. There are certain places you go where you, you appreciate the quality and the service. So th- the market itself is just a mall where they sell these different right. ownership. Think about companies that you want to own. You've walked out of a business or somewhere. You love the product, service so much that you knew, A, you're going to come back, and B, you're going to tell your friends about it. Right. So think about this for a moment. You're taking your hard-earned money and you're putting it in this, and you become an unpaid spokesperson. Shouldn't you be part owner? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the premise we begin with. You know, it's so true because I don't know why it took me so long, but finally my brother and I kind of came around the corner and said, you know, why don't we buy stuff that we actually like and use? Because if we like and use it, chances are other people like and use it, right? Right. See, my only problem is that I'm just, I'm always late. Like, like I never know the hip stuff until it's almost not hip. (laughs) So we begin with the premise of buying what you know, which is the sort of what they call the Peter Lynch kind of approach. And then from there, you make a series of companies. I would love to own this company. Right. And then there's a series of steps that you take to make sure that it's still growing, that it's still taking market share, that they're still profitable, that they're still, ex- you know, but executing profitability was not the goal with the tech sector. I mean, the valuation of some of these tech stocks is, are still well, just crazy Ultimately, high. that's the goal. The first thing, though, is you have to build something that can dominate. Right. And... um and, and, you know, listen, and that whole thing changed uh, just in the last 20 years. You know, Amazon, I think, probably was the key uh, because when Jeff Bezos really turned this whole thing upside down when, when he started the company because he would take all of the money on the top line of the income statement, the revenue, and put it back in. So it never made it to the bottom, right? So they weren't profitable. But if you read, if you read the income statement and you saw how rapidly they were growing the top line, Right. And instead of bringing the money down to give it to shareholders, they were reinvesting it to, for dominance. Then that's why the stock worked out. Yeah. So, and then ultimately, once you position yourself where you have what they call a moat around your company, like in other words, no one can touch you. Right. right. Then the money comes in like crazy. Like it's true crazy. with Amazon. I, it's true with Amazon. The yeah. Household. We. We are big hey, contributors. Listen, I, I don't know why I, I did call Amazon once and say, "Why don't you guys just put a distribution center in my house?" This to save us both a lot of time, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like just set up in one of the rooms. Put one of your robots over <laughs> here. Put a distribution center here. Bring a couple of guys; they can work because you're here every day. You might as well station a man here, you know. Uh, it's so true. It's so true. Well, they, he had the vision of where commerce was going. He had the vision, but he also, what he did, the execution that he did is really phenomenal. It's one for the books. He did yeah. not bend to Wall Street. In the beginning, Wall Street was like, you got to make money. I remember it was a $100 stock and went to 85 People are like, yes, and they, to, to what you just said, they're not profitable. He was he was building something to dominate. Right. He it wasn't, wasn't about work. books. Right, right. He was building something to dominate, and... Since then, you've had other companies that have fallen along, but you've also had a lot of companies that have said, yeah, I'm doing the same thing as Bezos. No, they weren't. They're not. So yeah. you got you have to understand there's the story, which is, is going to be sexy, and then you have to make sure that the underlying fundamentals match the story. Okay, so let's just take a person who has access. Maybe they work for a company and there's a 401k. I mean, it's got a little bit of a match to it, so that's enticing. Right. Or maybe you're self-employed and you can either do a self-directed 401k. What, what, what advice do you give those types of people who don't have gobs of money 
to invest. Well, first of all, gobs of money should never uh, uh, dictate how you invest. Uh, that's another mistake people make, um, and, they, and they hurt themselves. And a lot of times they'll say, well, I don't have a lot of money, so I'll take a shot. I don't have a lot of right. money, so I'll buy a cheap stock, you know, something like right. $5 a share. I've always said almost every single stock under $10 a share is overvalued. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's not how you determine that's just valuation. That's experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we've become, a, you know, we, we equate the share price to the value. Right. Like, oh, man, it's only a buck. <laughs> it used to be 100. Guess what? You know, red flag, red flag, red flag. Um, so never let how much you have dictate what you're going to do. Because invariably, it's going to make you take greater risk. And have less less interest, less involvement. This, again, is a lifelong endeavor. Yeah. So what you have now is just the beginning, the first step. You'll get more later, you'll add more later. You'll get more later, you'll add more later. This is an investment. This is, this is not a one-shot deal. So think of it that way. This is just the first step. Um, yeah, if you don't want to do the work, then by all means, um, 401K. And I'm not talking about you know, this dominating your life. Uh, it's it, it. I think it probably is less work than people who do fantasy football. <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you, you know what I mean. So maybe That's true. Maybe, though. Yeah, that maybe one weekend you don't know, binge watch something. You know, it's just. But what I love and what I've been able to do is to get people to love it, to love it because it's it's for me when I when I'm interested in the stock, Jason. I I go and I first thing I do is look at the history, and that in of itself, I it's a movie. Almost, especially if it's a 50-year-old company or a 100-year-old company. It's a movie. It's like, right. wow. Oh, I, I, last year, no, just the, like how they start, right? It's the, we, talk yeah. all, we always talk about the American dream. These are examples of it. These are proxies for it. Last year, for my dividend service, I, I looked into a company called Iron Mountain. So Iron Mountain started um, upstate New York, you know, in a mountainous area. It was they were growing mushrooms up there. Some real rich millionaire bought a bunch of land, you know. And uh, believe it or not, mushrooms were a big deal at one point. <laughs> and it's, they they're were back. huge. I mean, they're back. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm talking huge. And then all of a sudden, they fell out of favor. You know, like everyone was eating mushrooms, and then one day they weren't. So now you I got think this. they're smoking them now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not that I can tell you. Yeah, but, you smoking know. and chewing, right? <laughs> yeah. So. So then they have these, these you know, so the mountains weren't doing too good, right? right. The war comes around, World War II, and, um, you know, all these immigrants are coming into America through New York, lower New York, and a banker down in lower Manhattan, he's dealing with a lot of folks, particularly Jews. They don't have any paperwork, you know, all the paperwork has been taken from them. Hmm. They have no way of proving who they are, proving what they own. And he's saying to himself, we got to find a way to make sure people can always have their documentation safe. Bingo. Those empty mountains started buying them and putting documentation up there. That's how Iron Mountain became the company wow. that it is. Yeah. So when I hear stories like that, or I read the story of uh, Mavado, you know, a guy in Cuba working in a cigar factory, little kid, 17, 18 years right. old, you know, he, he gets the, his boss says, hey, you know, if you could find me an American clock. Uh, you know, uh, anything American, especially back then, you know, I, I want right. you to, you know, he went out, he found one and he, he get, you know, got it for the guy, whatever it was. And he says, hey, give me two more. Then he says, can I have an extra buck? He asked for a profit. He didn't ask for any profit the first time. He asked for, you know, can I get right. some money? You know, the guy said, okay. Hence, hence a capitalist was born. <laughs> right. And so a couple of years later, um, Castro rises up 
And initially, he loved Castro, like everyone there, you know, at the time. But he started to see just the, the stuff that was happening immediately, immediately. You know, he saw his true colors immediately. So he rounded up his family. He was trying to get out. And, you know, and they were caught. But it just so turned out the police captain was a childhood friend. Hmm. And he let him through. But he took the love for watches and came to America and started a watch company. I mean, it's just – and so – I, and I find that a lot of times these companies that have these amazing, beautiful stories, uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse. So Ruth was married. Her husband died, didn't leave her a lot of money. She tried to make ends meet initially by being a seamstress. You know, she'd do things, sew things. Right. But it wasn't really clicking, right? And the money right. was whittling down. Yeah, how much she's flipping through the make? She's yeah. flipping through the newspaper, and she's a classified restaurant for sale, Chris's Restaurant. Never, she never owned a business, never owned a restaurant, took the cash, I think 500 bucks, and bought it. Ruth Chris. Wow. Put her name in front of Chris, Ruth Chris, and the rest Made is history. Made a great product. And, yeah. So I love that part of it, you know? And then, and then just, just keeping up with it. It's, it's, it can be so much fun. It, it, everything we talk about, everything in America is reflected in the stock market. Everything. Everything is reflected somewhere in the, in the stock market. So it can be fun in that, in that sense. Uh, and it's also great when you have a, a greater grasp on what's going on. So the unbreakable investor, well, there are a lot of financial books out there. I mean, there's a lot of them, right? They yeah. have whole sections of, you know, bookstores and libraries on just this topic. Somebody's going through and they want to pick one and they, they pick yours up. Well, what's different or what are you going to learn from the unbreakable? I think investor? the most important thing will be, the idea that the emotional part of it is what I'm really focused on a lot, the emotional mm-hmm. part of investing, because that's the breakable part. And I try to focus on what we're trying to achieve as, as people. Like, again, it's not a get rich quick book. I mean, there's lots it's, of charts and graphs and, you know, I mean, you're well, I'm teaching, teach, people, I'm teaching people at yeah. the end of every chapter. There's an exam. <laughs> it's optional. Right. I'm not going to come to the house and make sure you took it. But, there's an exam at the end of every chapter, but I begin the book with um, a, a sort of an homage uh, to my grandparents, mm. and um, and it's it's so crazy because when I was a kid, uh, you know, we used to go visit my grandparents in Alabama. I I you know we grew up we were growing up in army bases and you know we were okay right and I'm looking at my grandfather and he's got one pair of shoes and it turned up at the toe. Right. And, you know, he's eating his food with his hands. And I'm thinking he's like, you know, uh, and only as I became a man did I realize how elegant and beautiful he was. And more importantly, how courageous they were. Mm-hmm. So there was always this thing in our family, like how they bought the farm. Right. You know, I never knew. I heard some things here and there. And finally, I, I caught up with a cousin who had the contract. And when I read the contract, Jason, I cried for two days. Um, they gave up everything. They worked their ass off for years. So they had a couple of pigs, a couple of horses. They had some farm equipment. They gave it all up for 51 acres. Hmm. And, you know, 1951, a black family in, in Alabama with their own farm that creates, makes you a target anyway. And then it's tough. They had, you know, I would go visit in the seventies. They had no electricity, no running water. 
And I look at my grandmother like she was the original X-Men, right? She, she'd have that iron, that, that iron. She'd pick up those hot embers from one part of the uh, iron uh, <laughs> oven and stove and put it on another. Like, <sighs> I'm just like, yeah. what the hell? Uh, you know, and they raised uh, 12 kids, grandkids, and wow. it was self-sufficient, you know? And I look at them as taking the family arc a little bit off the ground, right? But taking it in the right direction. For me, this book is for you, the people out there who want to do the same, just to keep nudging it higher. Hey. Keep nudging it higher for the next for the next generation. And so, I, I, I and, and then I've got some things in there that are pretty interesting in the sense that I've got a chapter on the Federal Reserve because, unfortunately, they've become so powerful. Yeah, uh, you know, Congress really. I, I just, I just don't know why, and they keep giving them more power. You know, there's only central bank in the world with a dual mandate. Uh, you know, they, it's inflation and jobs. Which, in 1977, Congress essentially gave that role, which was their job, to to the Federal Reserve. Now they have a lot more jobs, and one day it's going to be politicized. It's going to be people are going to be shocked. One day the Federal Reserve is going to be used to implement strategies that are not capitalist, that are not that go against the grain of America. Uh, I've got a, a a chapter on Warren Buffett mm-hmm. because if you're going to follow someone. Uh, I call him the original Diamond Hands and his story about how he bought Coca-Cola when nobody else wanted it, which was the basis for his, his fortune. Uh, later on, he bought Apple, which and I included the Apple part in there because I have a lot of people say, well, I'm this, eh, I should have invested when I was younger. Buffett bought Apple when he was 85. And in six years, that's six, seven years, he made 600%. Wow. So, so anyone, you know, so there's no, don't stop yourself, right? I've got um, a chapter on the Roaring 2020s. Uh, I, I've done a lot of research on the 1920s, and I think we could have a replay of that. But we Explain need the right person. Because the, the Roaring 20s were phenomenal. Right. Uh, we saw... Didn't end up that way, though. No, no. It, and, and that doesn't have to be the same ending, you know. Um uh, you know, uh, and again, I mean, some people would take a great nine years for a bad one or two, but um, what were going the into the nineteen, yeah, coming into the nineteen twenties, we had we were coming out, we had the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. yeah, just like COVID, right? Right? Is that nineteen seventeen? I think it was, or right? So? For right. a couple it years, went on for right. a while, yeah, a couple years into into the nineteen twenties, uh, we were just getting out of World War One, sort of like the War on Terror, right? Same sort of thing. We had a massive recession, yeah. a massive recession. Uh, we had a president who loved high taxes in the nineteen. I mean, just loved high taxes. Right. Couldn't get. We enough. just implemented the tax system, and I think it started like six or seven percent. It was already at thirty-five percent. You know, so that you know, so all of these similarities coming into the nineteen twenties. The key, though, we we elected a pro-business president. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who, you know, then we had another president take his place after he passed away unexpectedly, Coolidge, who, yeah. you know, the, the business of America is business. And he also embraced technology. He was the first president to use the wireless, which, of course, is a radio. Interesting. We saw the adoption. We saw the car go from regular folks to, I mean, from rich people only to regular folks. Yeah. No decade had a greater expansion of life expectancy. Really? Yeah, none. Interesting. None. All of those things are set up right now. All of those things are set up. You know, it's even so funny. Speaking of cars, so in 1900, there were three types of automobiles, and at the top of the list for market share was this steam engine, the Stanley Steamer. 
They had about 40, 45%. Number two was the electric vehicle. Yeah. Isn't and that that number three was in, internal combustion engine. Yeah. But you know what? As in, we went into the 1920s, uh, mid 19, like 1915, uh, the Model T came out, 600 bucks. The electric vehicles were 2,000 bucks. Uh, and let me tell you, initially, no one wanted. That's why I had low market share. It, it smelled bad. The gasoline smelled bad. They were harder to operate, and they just shunned. But then we started to build out these roads, and all of a sudden, you can go two or three states away yeah, and visit Yeah, the infrastructure grandma. was there. Right. You yeah. started building that out. Find the and gas then, station. And then it was 600 bucks for a Model T versus two grand for an EV. Yeah. And so by 19, I think 1931, the last EV company went out of business, Detroit Electric Vehicle, out. It's so funny. We're living that all over again, too. So, except this time, they're determined to make us take them, right? Um, the, the key is going to be the right person in the White House, someone who believes in the American dream, who believes that all we need to do is provide an opportunistic backdrop for people to grab themselves by the bootstraps. I think this is a decade where our life expectancy can turn up. Now, we've gone down a lot in the last few years. Yeah. A lot of that's the drug is epidemic. Also, though, there's a certain amount of sadness, suicides and things like that. So right. this is not just an economic story, right? We need the ethos. That we need, we, not the, we need the, the, the sort of tone in this, in this country to become more optimistic okay. so that people aren't killing themselves. More optimistic so people aren't shooting themselves with meth all day or, or smoking crack. We need to change that. Um, and so uh, I, it would be great if we had someone like a Coolidge who was president. That's the, to me, that's the only linchpin that's missing. All the money is in place for, there's all kinds of things, med tech, ag tech, farm tech. Uh, you know, there's going to be, we're going to eat different over the next 10 years. We're going to look better. We're going to feel better. I mean, everyone's on Ozempic already, right? <laughs> this, this could be an amazing decade. Now, from an investing point of view, that's phenomenal. Okay. But it's also dangerous. Because not every company that says they're an AI company is going to do well. <laughs> right? I mean, that just seems the magic. I'll just throw AI on it, and then, you know, not everybody's going to be NVIDIA. Right. It's just like, come right. on. You right. can, it's so ill-defined at this point. Well, it's just like the dot-com era, you know. Right. You put a dot-com on something, you know, if you put a dot-com on the back of your name in 99, time. the yeah. stock went up. It might yeah. double the next day. So... It's, there's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity, opportunities that people will never see again probably in their lifetime. And I want them to be able to, to, to take advantage of it. So you're going to have to know more than a sexy story. Okay, it's sexy, but is it real? Right. And that's why you need a book like Unbreakable Investor. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Charles Payne right after this. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. How bullish are you on real estate? I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on real estate. Uh, I'm bullish on land. You know, I, I mean... I think people should really start thinking about owning land, not, not, you know, the flip houses, you know, buying land out in Wyoming, buying land. You know, I just think owning land. Remember, again, my grandparents, right? They, they sold everything. I was talking to my aunt recently and she would tell me that my grandfather, he had to get old tools and refurbish them and go into the woods and find the wood and craft wood for handles because they gave up everything. And when the crop wasn't coming in, he'd go... He'd find an old car and chop up the metal and drive it to Birmingham and sell it. Like, wow. Whatever he had to do. Whatever he had to do. Uh, so, no, I, I, like, I, I think people should own things. I think they should own land. I think they should own gold. I think your money should be working for you. 
you know, I just stock market has been my vehicle that I have the most expertise in. Uh, it's it's you know it's you can buy or sell whenever you want. You can you know you can know what these companies are, what they do. You get a quarterly report like a report card. So it's it's manageable. It's manageable. The only thing that's that's hard to manage are your emotions and things that you can't control. Sometimes the market goes down because of anxieties that have nothing to do with the fundamentals or the Federal Reserve is hiking interest rates. Does that make XYZ less of the dominant force in its own industry? And the, the, the real wealth is made, the real home runs are made when great stocks, great company stocks go down. You know, that's when the Warren Buffett's buy Coca-Cola. Right. That's right. when the real wealth is made uh, when you have an opportunity to buy these great stocks on sale. Shifting gears just slightly, though, you concerned about this generation? I mean, I'm concerned about, the, when I say this generation, the younger generation that's coming up. They're living in such a different world, and I'm sure every generation, I'm getting older. Yeah. You know, I'm sure every generation's, oh, that younger generation, they're crazy. They're nuts. They're not, you know, they're, they're on the wrong path. But I look at this younger generation, I don't, I don't see the work ethic. I don't see the understanding the value of a dollar. They're just this immediate gratification right, right. and you know the the work ethic i just i i really worry about it as a whole the worth ethic is really awful it's really really awful and you know i always joke that this generation they want to get a gold watch on the first day of work not last That's exactly right <laughs> like in the past okay you work for the company 30 years bobby we're gonna miss you and here here's a gold watch you know they they expect to walk in Jimmy's here, folks. Gather around. Where's my office? Give yeah. Jimmy an office, and here's your go watch, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know a damn thing, but take that corner office and run with it, my man. Oh, you need tomorrow off? No problem. Yeah. Four day a week? <laughs> yeah. Wait, you, you want to get paid for doing 20 hours a week? Or? Oh, man, I've had people work come work for me, and like in the first week, they had to take a day off. No, it's uh, so-and-so. Like, and the things, they had to take it off for. Like, no, no, you can't. No. We're not taking days off for your boy's uh, party. Like, you know, like, you know, your boy, don't, no, no, or your girlfriend, this, no, it's we don't do that. second soccer game. Of, yeah. yeah. Like, it, I just, because I look at it and I just think, come on. I mean, and I hear the businesses, like restaurants sure. and, you know, others sure. like, we can't hire anybody. Sure. No, that's the number one problem, finding, finding, there's two things, because it's interesting when they say we, we're having trouble finding skills, workers with skills. Right. They're not just talking about the uh, the fundamental skills of, of doing the job. Right now, one of the number one skills is getting someone to show up on time every yeah. day. That's a skill. That's considered a skill. And I am worried. Um, I, the only thing I will say is I, I feel like the, 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 the group behind them is giving me a little bit of hope. They, they just seem to be a little bit more business-oriented. Now, I think they're unrealistic. In other words, you don't hang up a shingle and make a million dollars the next day. You know, right. uh, you're not a TikTok influencer, right? Uh, or a Kim Kardashian. <laughs> but I do sense a greater entrepreneurial um, vein. And they do want to have their own business. They are encouraged to start their own businesses and things like that. That's great. And I think some will get in there and be discouraged, uh, just like people get in the and stock market and yeah. discouraged. But there are going to be some who get in there and realize it's hard. But stick with it, you know, and I think enough of those folks can carry on the American tradition, uh, you know, because and I always talk about Tocqueville when he came here, you know, he came specifically to study our prison system. But he spent, you know, he was going to come, I guess, for a few months, stay for a few years. Right. And when he went back, you know, he writes this, the, a couple of books, but it was just it was just how all these Americans thought they could be anything. 
Like they, you know, like how arrogant are they? You know, if you if you're born a cobbler, you're you're a cobbler. You know, if you're an aristocrat, you're an aristocrat. I mean, there are classes, and nobody shifts right. classes. Yeah. And and so that part I, I'm excited about is that I do see where these young folks do believe. Now they have the wrong thought process on how to get there. Uh, and some of that means that some of them will drop out, but I think enough of them can stay in place that they can well, they can carry the I mean, baton. That's encouraging. Yeah. I guess you're right. It, the idea that uh, you know showing up on time is like, wow, yeah. you're impressive, Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. showed up on time all week. Well, you know, after the quiet quitting uh, phenomenon started to fade, now you know you have this thing. What is it called? Something Monday, meandering Monday or something. It's. <laughs> it's and, and it's 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 this whole thing about. Uh, I can imagine what Fox would feel like if you just said, "Yeah, I'll start my show." You know, when I get two fifteen. When yeah. I get here, that that fifteen minute dead air. Put time. something in there. Put a cartoon in there. The the Yule log. Put something in there. <laughs> you know, I'll be there when I get there. Yeah. Um. Uh, again, though, it's um. This where the leadership part though comes in, right? That yeah. um. You know, we haven't had a president in a long time, you know, really say, hey, you know, I wouldn't say a president, but enough of a, of a continuation of people. Like there's always maybe, you know, you get one person who's good, but then, you know, another person says, no, everyone's a victim uh, and this country owes you. You know, yeah. we need a, a successive string of folks to, uh, to keep reminding us how great we are and that all we have to do is add elbow grease yeah. and, you know, to keep this thing going because it's not ordained. We have some serious issues. You know, we talk about the $33 trillion in debt, trillion dollars a year. Debt servicing uh, yields are so high. So, again, that's how you get right. – that's how can you, That's how come you can't afford a house because, you know, the same down payment gets you half a house that it gotten you three years ago. Okay. Um, and all of this comes from the government trying to do too much. Yeah. Uh, and so when people say to the government, no, thank you, uh, you know, just you know, kind of move out the way. And, and, you know, and maybe some of these things will come down. Maybe yields will come down and interest rates right. will come down and opportunities will go up. Charles Payne, he, the uh, Unbreakable Investor. Congratulations on the new book. Thank you. This is, uh, I'm excited. People just have to go to unbreakableinvestor.com to get a free copy. You got to pay for shipping, but the book will be free. Yeah. I mean, okay. So unbreakableinvestor.com. And then they just put in their address. You're going to ship it out to them and. That's it. That's it. And um, I feel great about the book. I really, really, really do. Again, I've been working with individual investors for over three decades. I know every mistake they make, every single one. This is not an academic book. It's a real book designed to get real people involved. No, I got to flip through it. It looks really, yeah, it's more interactive almost, you know? And so congratulations. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Always good to chat with you. I love that. You're just perpetually happy, and I love it. It's (laughs) contagious. It's very contagious. Thanks a lot. And I hope everybody gets to go on your show at some point and and be there for, you know, at the beginning because the music gets you going. Today we're going to rock some Lenny Kravitz. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Charles. Thanks, man. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be right back. See, Charles Payne is just, he's just a flat-out good guy. He's just a good guy. And I i love chatting with him. I could chat with him for hours. Perpetually happy, always jovial, super wicked smart. The guy goes and does his homework. He actually does his homework. That's so important. I hope you like this podcast. I hope you can rate it. I hope you can subscribe to it. Make sure and rate it. That would be really helpful. And uh, and you can go over to foxnewspodcast.com. My, my 
colleagues here at Fox have lots of other good podcasts. also want to remind people that you can listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Appreciate it. Join us again next week. We'll have another exciting guest. Thanks for joining us on Jason in the House. I'm Jason Chaffetz. Thanks for joining us. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.